Sports Next Door podcast. My name is Owen. Today is Sunday, July 24th, and I'm joined, as I always am, by my neighbor Max. How's it going, my friend? I'm doing well, other than a really persistent, tiny cough that won't seem to go away and uh, kind of steals my voice every time I'm, I'm on the edge of the sentence. So, looking out for that tonight. Um, yeah, had a nice day at the park, which looking at the weather yesterday, did not think I was going to get. So uh, grateful for that, but not too, too much going on at the moment, just kind of in heat hibernation mode for the most part. How have you been? I'll feel in the same way. Uh, took the day and a half here of the weekend to really rest and recuperate. It's been a busy couple of weeks and uh, it's currently 79 degrees Fahrenheit here in the uh, in the apartment. It is. Do you have a reader that acts in Fahrenheit? Yeah, yeah, it's it's sweltering in here. Um, so just trying no to survive that. It's like mid to high 20s. Okay. Yeah, so we're 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 cooking. We're, we're trying to have the windows open. We're supposed to get a bit of a, a cool spell through here tonight which is very much needed. Um, just so tough to sleep. It's so difficult for your body to reset if it isn't able to cool itself down. So um, nice cool shower after the pod here and, and hopefully a good night's sleep uh, as we get ready for another week here in the summer because things are busy, but not busy in the sports world. <laughs> we, uh, we've really had to dig in to a couple of our sports here to pick out a couple of pieces, a couple of topics, things to talk about. So we're going to spread the love out today across a multiple variety of sports and um, yeah, just have some, some short conversations here to keep everyone satiated uh, in these slow summer months. Uh, Max, I uh, just wanted to say it's good to talk with you again and where ask where you'd like to kick things off. Yeah, you as well. Uh back on Sunday for once. Thanks for accommodating that. Uh, I think the biggest story here is in the hockey world. Mm -hmm. Um, This is a blockbuster trade between the Calgary Flames and Florida Panthers. Uh, Seeing the Flames deal Matthew Kachuk, who five, six days ago, uh, let management know he was not interested in signing with them long term. Um, Boy, do they recover well, though. Um, Jonathan Huberdeau, Mackenzie Weger, a first round pick and another prospect whose name I can't think of. Um, my first reaction to this trade is what a steal for the Flames. I don't know if you see more value in Matthew than I do. Yeah, I would. I don't know if I'd call it a steal, but more of a salvage. It was looking pretty bleak there. Uh, potentially losing two thirds of one of the best lines in hockey uh, in one off season for nothing. They are able to spin uh, Matt Kachuk, who is six years younger than Jonathan Huberto um, and, and just more of a playoff built player as we saw this year. Uh, just, I don't know, younger, a guy you'd like to have your team entering the prime, but what a phenomenal get by Calgary to spin him into true value. Cause there were a lot of offers going around out there that it was some position players and picks and the way Calgary's team is built right now, they still want to be contending. And so getting uh, a bunch of dimes for a dollar 
didn't make sense. And they were able to get a really, really probably the best they could have possibly gotten in terms of value. So yes, it's a great move by Calgary. Obviously like Kachuk is the best player in that deal or will be for the next 10 years, which is why it's tough to lose him. But yeah, about as good as you can do bringing in a guy who just came off the most uh, points by a left-handed player in NHL history. So uh, and then uh, along with that, a, a pretty valued defensive player. Now, many people will tell you Mackenzie Weger is weak in his own end uh, and has some deficits, but those who are fans of upside know that he could be a really, really strong defenseman uh, in this league. And so uh, the fact that they get two of those guys for Matthew Kachuk uh, in a place where they didn't have a ton of leverage, uh, yeah, just they really turned the offseason around um, from a disastrous one to something a little bit more hopeful. I'm just, I'm always hesitant to put the value of a player at their peak and or at the peak of when they just had a breakout year. We, we've seen so many slumps. Like I, I'll just always take consistency over that. And for Kachuk, like he's had great seasons or good seasons before, but this felt like his first truly great season to me. And uh, the playoff performance, several exclamation marks of accentuation. Uh, Owen might be about to fact check me here on the points. I'm not sure. Oh, no, I just I was digging into his points because I was curious. I mean, 104 points last season is, of course, a breakout year for him. Um, Hubert, obviously, with more, but he, he's just going up from here, right? And, and well, I, I don't think we can say that with a guarantee is my point. Um, yes, he had a great year, but playing next to a guy who just got 115 points certainly helps with that. Um, and like, I think he'll do well for the Panthers for sure. I think him and Barkov is a really fun combination uh, they're going to have to play with. Um, but I just like what Matthew Kachuk is going to look like as a 25, 26, 27, 28 year old to me isn't set in stone yet. Whereas the next three years, Jonathan Huberto is going to give the Calgary flames. I think you can feel pretty content with Um, the Panthers lock up Kachuk at $9.5 million cap hit. I believe for the next eight years Uh, at his age, there's not, as long as he stays like a 60, 70 point per game player uh, and gives you that like gritty power forward uh, physical style of play, I don't think you're losing out too much, but just the one-two punch of Huberto Uyghur, uh, we'll see what they dig up with that first and a prospect. Like in my eyes, Kachuk would just have to maintain this like hundred point per game playoff gem performance for four years at least um, for the Panthers to break even on this trade. And and as you said, um, Carolina having, excuse me, Calgary having not a lot of leverage in this situation. uh, I'm just surprised and impressed Calgary was able to pull so much out of the bag with their backs against the wall here. Uh, The restricted free agent status helping, but when a player wants out, there's this is by far the best you can do and an incredible steal. Um, and you're right. It, 
the hockey, like a sport about the depth, about multi positions. Um, two players are not your team, um, but losing your two most productive offensive players um, it would have been a really tough blow to recover from. And it's hard, it's hard to know. You can't say they're going to be a better team going into next year, um, but they're going to have the momentum of their strides still going forward, I think, with the salvaging. Yeah. On the other side, for Florida, uh, it's a bit perplexing. Now we knew they were looking to move Uyghur, and obviously they value Kachuk even more highly than either of us because of what they were willing to give up in order to get him. Their MVP candidate from this season, Jonathan Huberto, uh, who... It, it feels a little bit almost Raptors-esque giving up DeRozan for Kawhi, but I wouldn't put Kachuk in that Kawhi uh, hemisphere or no, stratosphere. Even, even. Yeah, but Florida, Florida does, obviously. And so they move Huberto, an incredible regular <laughs> season performer, um, a guy who did not have his best playoff performance, and Florida is continuing to tinker with uh with that core to to just again try and <laughs> overcome tampa firstly uh and then the rest of this really strong atlantic division and so um a big swing here from the panthers typically not a team that you see taking big swings but they are all the way in and they believe that kachuk is going to be more valuable come playoff time uh over huberto and so um, i think it, both teams make out well based on what they were looking for and how they valued each player. Uh, but again, Calgary, I think slightly wins this trade uh, in the end. Yeah. Uh, one perspective I got, which was kind of satisfying as a Leafs fan was just from the Panthers eyes. Like we just watched Tampa Bay and Toronto play this amazing playoff series that was ultimately decided by one goal and then we watched our Panthers get swept, scoring only three goals on the Tampa Bay Lightning. So from their eyes, that also puts the Maple Leafs as a massive threat to the Panthers. Um, and they view both teams as having not regressed, at least this offseason. Um, so, so it felt like there was a bit of an onus on the Panthers to go out and adjust post-playoffs. You've got to do something differently. And uh, I think that also when they get an offer for a player like Kachuk, they have to pursue it. And maybe the Flames GM seeing that motivation going and um, giving him some confidence in his asking price. Yeah, for sure. And, and hopefully a motivator going forward for that team to have some success here. Uh, other hockey news, Nino Niederreiter, um, one of the top, remaining free agents on the board in terms of forwards really creative player uh, had an extreme amount of success in Carolina he moves on to the Nashville Predators for two years at eight million um, probably on the higher end of what he could get and the Predators a team with some cap space and a team that's looking contend uh, with one of the top goaltenders in the league and they pick up Niederreiter he could play probably uh, on either of their top two lines there with with a Johansson or a Duchesne and I think it's a nice little pickup for Nashville that's um eight million per year or eight million total eight million total okay so four million cap hit per year yeah yeah 
not a bad move, not a bad move at all. Uh, that is really it for the hockey portion of the podcast. Uh, we do have a note here to talk Donovan Mitchell. Now things have slowed considerably over the past two weeks, uh, both on the Durant front and the Mitchell front. Uh, heard rumblings, of course, of New York as the main landing spot for Mitchell. I actually think with the Brunson signing, it wouldn't be the the best move for New York to go ahead and get that just with how small their, their backcourt would become uh, and, and a lot of offensive creativity, but could be a bit of a revolving door on defense. So then you think about other potential landing spots for Mitchell, and it feels like the carousel has gone around for a lot of these teams. And it's, it's become that spot uh, where a lot of teams get stuck in around the trade deadline is that, Contenders don't have cap space to sign him and the teams with cap space, he doesn't fit the timeline despite him still being what 24, 25 years old. So some of the teams that you would throw out there, uh, I just, I don't think if there's, there's a landing spot for him right now and it could end up waiting uh, until the season really kicks into gear before we could see Mitchell moved. He's much more likely now to be the player moved, he has kind of become what Bradley Beal was for the past two, three years. I don't think Beal's going anywhere, uh, but it is a team maybe like a Memphis, maybe like uh, the oh, who was linked to Beal before the Nuggets, a team that could make two for one, three for one type moves uh, to bring him in. But the two teams I just mentioned are Western Conference rivals of the Utah Jazz. So really interesting to see uh, what the potential landing spots for Mitchell are. But I think we're we're going to have some silence here because Utah is going to try and maximize the return. See, the reason I have uh, the trade at 100% happening here in the notes Um about five days ago, it seemed like it was about ready to be announced um, with uh, some Utah sports radio guys who were right on the money with the Gobert trade, um, reporting that the trade was about to happen. Uh, and Mitchell very soon after tweeting, like, God is great, uh, which made it seem like something really in the water. Uh, those sports radio guys reporting the Knicks. Uh, they walked it back a little, saying going from the deal is done to the deal is all but done, as in it's going to happen, it's happening soon, there's something else in the works, uh, something clearly seems to have hit a drag and slowed it down. Um, but I did continuously hear the Knicks from these guys who were right on the money with the Gobert one, uh, which makes me think, but... Yeah, the, the Mitchell trade is tricky because also if you're Utah, it, it seems like you're going into a rebuild to me without these two guys, especially looking at the haul they got back from Gobert. So where do you trade Mitchell to? Like you're looking for picks and prospects back probably. Um, but if you're trying to accommodate your guy, he doesn't want to go to a team that then dumps their picks and prospects if they don't have a chance of contending. Um, so I, I think it's going to be, I don't know what the Nick, like the Knicks would either give up next to nothing or way too much and shoot themselves in the foot. Um, so I'm with you that it seems unlikely or it doesn't make sense. Um, but that Gobert trade was also incredibly lopsided. So maybe the Utah GM just, 
um Danny Ainge Danny Ainge incredibly adept at um dragging out 100% return or excuse me 200% return oh yeah on his asset um but contrary to what from what I was seeing I wouldn't be surprised if it's in the next week two weeks announced interesting yeah Danny Ainge is one of the best at at dragging value out of another general manager he was the conductor of the Brooklyn Nets trade that netted them uh, so many of their fantastic players that led to this Boston Celtics finals team and now he is trying to work his magic with the Jazz uh, a ridiculous load coming back the other way for Rudy Gobert but I think that move made some teams uh, perk up and are a little bit more alert <laughs> and the price seems to have stuck at a certain point and Ainge and obviously the Brooklyn Nets as well with KD unable to push for anything more. And I think that's where talks are getting stuck. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's RJ Barrett or if it's Obi Toppin uh, or if it's Emmanuel quickly holding up this final piece of the, the Donovan Mitchell trade and the Jazz are trying to get a little bit more out of the Knicks, and the Knicks are not willing to give up their entire young core uh, because you want to piece together what you're doing now with guys who can help supplement Mitchell in a couple of years. So if it's close, then it's possible. I just think if there's a significant snag on one of those players, then we could see the Knicks becoming a lot more desperate around January and and giving in and making that deal. So uh I guess we'll, I guess only time will tell on that. Yeah, certainly something to keep our eye on. Uh, that's it for basketball. Hopefully <laughs> we've got some more news on that next week, but we'll see. Uh, in the meanwhile, a quick stop on the ATP tour, first touching down in Hamburg, Germany, where uh, Lorenzo Musetti was kind of a stunning win. How many times though, do you see players give up multiple championship points go into the next set 1-1 and then win, uh, not getting two in their own head, looking back, stuck in the rear mirror and um, dropping the match. But Musetti, after being in that situation on his own serve to close out the match, uh, Carlos Alcaraz hits some ferocious forehands to get back in there, um, takes Musetti out in the tiebreak where Lorenzo clearly in his own head as he double faults out the set, um, but he cools down, um, masters the most important aspect of tennis, the mental one in that moment, and is able to, able to get the break in the third set and take it 6-4. So congratulations for on um, his first ATP Tour title. That's at the 500 level, uh, Rublev, Alcaraz, a uh, couple other names I'm forgetting. Musetti had one other really impressive win. Oh, yeah. Um, Sorrentello. Uh, it's something like that, who had a really nice clay court win earlier in the season a couple weeks ago and also was the one who took out Rublev. Um, this generation of players, Musetti, Alcaraz, uh, sinners. I can't think of who Alcaraz beat in the ATP finals. It's a young American. Um, 
these guys are really maturing fast and it's fun to see. I think about uh, Musetti having Djokovic down two sets to love at the French Open last year as well. A lot of clay success. And also just of note, Alcaraz certainly has cooled down since that absurd March-April run he had. Relative, because he made it to another final. So, yeah. um, I, I think the stat was he almost became the third player to win his first six appearances in an ATP level finals. Jeez. Only won his first five. Come on, right? Yeah, yeah he's slacking. Uh, other tournament news Casper Red beats Matteo Berrettini in Gstad, Switzerland. Um, Rudd continues his dominance in, on clay. I think that's his ninth title, eighth on clay. Uh, he defends it, had a nice turnaround after dropping the first set. Uh, Berrettini had taken out Dominic Taim, who seems to be slowly finally returning to form in the semifinals. Uh, we're coming up back on a couple 1,000-level Masters events soon, Atlanta kicking off this week or next week, um, and then our Canadian National Bank Open following not long after that. Uh, so the stakes about to get a little higher after that uh, nice little break we've had since Wimbledon. Wonderful, wonderful. Uh, Musetti, Italian? Yeah. Ah, yeah, Okay. It's a scary crop. Uh, Musetti, Berrettini, and Sinner. That's, uh, I think Musetti's sitting like around 31, 32 right now, but the rate he's at, you might see three guys in the top 15 by the end of this year, though uh, he's certainly playing his best on clay, which is wrapping up. Hmm. So we go from the up-and-coming Italians in one sport to uh. the aging gracefully Italians in another, as we go to our football fan cave and the Toronto Azuri, I mean, Toronto FC have two massive signings that were made a couple of months ago. Now they have finally arrived in time to save a season where Toronto FC is second to last in the table and in desperate need of some top end talent, which is what they have signed over uh, with Lorenzo Insigne and Fernando Bernardeschi. Uh, Two fantastic footballers playing for the Italian national team, Bernadeschi coming over from Juventus uh, and making their debut in style. Uh, Bernadeschi scoring, uh, also setting up an assist to Michael Bradley with a cross on the corner. Uh, and then Il Magnifico with the beautiful flick on for Bradley's second goal of the night. And Toronto FC with a 4 nothing drubbing over Charlotte FC. This game was over just past, uh, or basically at halftime. And they got to sit the two Italians down, save them for their Canadian Cup championship in Vancouver uh, later on this week. But an exciting new era uh, for Toronto FC, as we know the last Italian uh, import for this team, Sebastian Giovinco is probably the greatest player in TFC's history, and they're hoping now with double the Italian prowess uh, that they can skyrocket up the rankings and, and make a bit of a push here into the playoff picture uh, and beyond. They have time for that with how much of the season's left? Yep, yep. The season does go into the fall. Uh, I believe it wraps up near the end of September because I know previous years the final of the MLS is usually around my birthday in December. So okay. the season does go late, uh, but things becoming 
critical at this point in the year where every every three points is vastly important and so they're going to get some good run out of these guys and uh, really top performers coming down to the MLS you expect this team to to definitely go on a bit of a run very cool there uh, another Toronto team that is on a roll as of late is the Toronto Blue Jays coming off of the all-star game uh, they have now won three in a row against the Boston Red Sox, a reeling Boston Red Sox team that is starting to slip out of the race in the American League East. Uh, the Blue Jays set the tone after the All-Star game, Max, with a 28-5 to victory in a baseball game. Not uh, We're out of football fan cave, yeah. right? It's too yeah. early for NFL talk. Yeah, it was uh, Fenway Park, not Gillette Stadium, where the Blue Jays put up four touchdowns. We got to see an inside-the-park home run from Rymel Tapia, uh, as well as six RBIs from Danny Jansen. And they followed that up with some great pitching performances uh, by Alec Manoa today, uh, or yesterday, pardon me, and then another victory today. So they're starting to put together some of the pieces be sure to catch them making some moves as we get closer to the trade deadline as they are half a game back of the Tampa Bay Rays for the first wildcard spot. And uh, obviously New York has run away with the division, but if you can set yourself up in one of those first wildcard spots, then you hopefully have a slightly weaker opponent from one of the other two division winners as you enter uh, the playoffs here. So big stretch of games coming up for the Blue Jays as they try to coalesce and, and finally figure out all of the tweaks because they've had some up and downs, kind of that classic run where the offense is producing, but you're not getting pitching. And then the pitching's producing, but you can't buy a hit. Uh, so they're trying to put that all together. And a 28-5 victory is always going to set you on the path to success. And so looking forward to following this team down the stretch run here. Finally, just a couple of quick shout outs here uh, in Canada corner. <laughs> we have, we uh, always had like to bring this up because we are a, uh, well, used to be a Toronto based, but you got to just say Canada based podcast at this point. We cover two provinces here. <laughs> Not and, uh, living in Toronto now or in the foreseeable future. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so quick shout outs here. Andre DeGrasse and the rest of the four by 100 meter men's relay team winning the gold medal at the world track and field <coughs> championships and Brooke Henderson, the star of the LPGA putting up her second major title in her career this weekend. So shout out to a couple of top class Canadians. Uh, Damian Warner was well on his way to setting a new world record. Did have to back out of the decathlon with a hamstring injury, unfortunately for him. Uh, but still an impressive performance up until that point. Nonetheless, uh, we'll continue to follow our Canadians as we move into the summer here, as things slow down, we might have to dive into some, some newer topics, some more niche sports, uh, but always, always a pleasure to be talking on a Sunday evening with you, Max. And that's really going to wrap up the sports portion of the podcast. I don't know if you have any other music, art, entertainment, recommendations i know comic con was this weekend in san diego got to see some great previews and trailers of the marvel content coming out and what phases four five and six are going to look like there uh i know you went to alexis on fire two weeks ago now and had many stories to share but anything else on your radar currently that's uh that that you've enjoyed that you want to shout out here 
in a bit of hibernation mode right now in terms of concerts. September is going to be ridiculous. Uh, so just mostly trying to get excited for that. Off the air, I was talking about a trip I'm taking to Toronto in a couple weeks, uh, which totally screws me over where there's a tour happening. I'd love to see the Toronto show sold out, $30 tickets being scalped for $160, and then the Montreal show, plenty of tickets to be sold, but I'll be in Toronto. Uh, so alas for that, um, keep my eye on those dirty, dirty scalpers and hope they're forced to knock the price down a bit. Uh, in the meanwhile, been blasting Don Broco's amazing things. Oh, I can see you checking out this album. It's like impossible to pin down a bit of everything, like ambient to hype to... <laughs> just weird, catchy beats constantly, lots of synths, electronics, um, four very, very quirky guys. Uh, had that on shuffle today and was loving it. I do need recommendations for my for my 11-hour car ride coming up this, or two, right? Going back and forth from New Jersey. So definitely send me the content because a lot of music podcasts will be played uh, in that car ride there next weekend. Say it one more time, Bump Amazing Things by Don Broco. Uh, really, really unique music. I love it. No free ads. So uh, that's how you know it's good. There you go. All right. Uh, thanks again for accommodating me on this Sunday evening. Oh, uh, wrapping up now. Sports Next Door signing out.